Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Kool-Aids. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, usually in the Spanish capital. Currently, I'm on the road in California visiting family. And today we have some matches to talk about Barcelona. And joining me today to cover the last week of these matches with Barcelona is now kind of our Barca athletic guru, Troy Cadet. Troy, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, Welcome good. back we to just, the state. Yeah, thank you. We were just talking briefly, and I told you that this is my quote-unquote vacation now, so I'm definitely not yeah. working. I'm here in California after basically two and a half days of travel and yeah, just enjoying, I'm close to the beach and I'm going to try to get some good Mexican food and do all the things and obviously hang out with the families that I haven't seen since May of 2021, which is pretty crazy. Wow. So it's yeah. been a long time. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the idea of playing reserves and expectations of them. We're going to gush over Lewandowski. We're going to have a quick Champions League preview against Bayern Munich. And then we're going to have a Barca athletic update. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. In the last week, we've seen some, you know, obviously Barcelona getting two victories uh, in the Champions League and obviously over Cadiz over this weekend. And I kind of just want to talk about this first idea about the expectations of the reserves and the non-reserves. And, you know, as you saw during the match against Cadiz in our WhatsApp group, and I always get that as like, kind of the temperature, the micro temperature of what Kool-Aids are talking about. And then I go on Twitter and it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> this idea of the reserves and what are our expectations of them for these matches. And one of the topics that was in the WhatsApp group was, you know, why is Chavi using the reserves this much? We should have changes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I put into the group, I said, this is a perfect match for the reserves, especially yeah. the gauntlet of matches that are available. And more importantly, for me, I want to see 
Ferran Torres and Memphis take this by the reins. This is their opportunity to score. They didn't do that this weekend. But let's let's dive into this idea. What is what is your expectation with, with these reserves? I mean, I know it's good for the team to have the balance, but again, we cannot have our starting eleven play so many consecutive minutes and matches in a row. No, we so we we definitely and one of the biggest benefits of the of the summer was the depth that we have, and it's a very deep deep bench, and we need to utilize them. And like you just said, the Cadiz game was is exact type of game where we needed to have those guys come in and, and let some of the starters at least get some rest time on the bench, albeit some, you know, uh, some of them had to come in and, and maybe, maybe, or maybe not, we still would have won the game, but obviously they came in and made an immediate impact. Um, but they are going to need rest time because, and I don't have the schedule in front of me and I'm sure we'll, you'll talk about it here on, on future pods, but the schedule from like here, from like the Kadith game, uh, all the way through like October is unbelievable. It is unbelievable how many games are being played. And so these reserves are, you know, when the dust settles after, especially we get through October, um, you'll see how important everybody, hopefully they'll realize how important these reserves are to, to the squad in the level of these reserves compared to what we've had at least the last, you know, three or four years. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, especially, you know, with this weird year with the World Cup, and also this gauntlet of matches that we have, like you said, starting this week, essentially going all the way to the end of October, we have Classico, we have Champions League, you know, we have all these matches that minutes that are available and we can't just use our starting 11. And again, when I looked at the reserves, I was okay with it because I want these reserves to get opportunities. They need opportunities, they need rotation, but they also need to produce. And let's talk about this, this idea of production and expectations of this. You know, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts about Barcelona in the recent days, obviously after the Cadiz match, and everyone just really down about the performance and so forth. And that's why I like now to kind of taking a snapshot of the last couple of games because I think sometimes we microcosm focus on these, in, you know, these performances from match for match, but we're not looking at the whole picture. And, you know, if we look at the match last week, you know, in the Champions League match against Pilsen, and this match against Cadiz, I said, overall, it's pretty good. We won the matches. We scored goals. We didn't give up that many goals. We only gave up one. And I think we have to be overall happy. And again, what are your expectations with this reserve team? Let's say, let's pinpoint Torres and Memphis. Do you just, do we just need to say we need to see a goal every time they're starting? I, I think that would be fair. I mean, soccer, soccer, football, soccer is a game of what I've always said is a game of momentum. And I've never had expectations for somebody to come off the bench, you know, that hasn't played like for Memphis, Memphis, for, for, you know, for example, he hasn't started. He's had very little playing time this year, albeit we're just at the beginning of the season, but he hasn't played that much. So to have the expectations for a guy like him to come off the bench and, you know, and put, you know, one or two goals in, in that limited amount of time, I think is unrealistic really for what they did in that first half for me it goes right with my, what my expectations would be. They were playing hard. They had, they had uh, opportunities. They were, you know, we were still playing good defensively. I don't, I wasn't afraid at all in that first half. Like, Oh God, here we go again. Cause we've had, we've had trouble beating these guys in the last two or three years. Like they've, they've beat us, you know, more than we beat them. And, and it should have been the opposite of that. So I was never, I was never worried. 
I just figured the more time they got, they come out in that second half, the more time they got, the more they'd feel, you know, get the feel of the game, get that momentum going, get the feel of each other, their teammates. You, as you know, and anybody that's probably listened to this, uh, soccer is more, uh, you have to know your teammates, you know, better than in, in probably in any other sports because it does, there is so much movement going on. It's so the game, the gameplay is so free compared to any other sport. So to, again, to have those expectations for those guys to come off the bench, click like they've been playing all year long and, and put, you know, put the ball in the back of the net is in my opinion, unrealistic. Now, if they came in and, you know, bad passes or weren't, weren't, didn't have that intensity, weren't hustling, you know, you know, showing lack of effort, then I say, okay, well, then we got an issue. But that's not what the case was here against Kadith at all, in my yeah, opinion. And I, yeah, and I also think it's going to be interesting to see what Xavi does with the Copa del Rey situation. And I think this is going to be a perfect opportunity for Baran and Memphis and some of the reserve yeah. players to take this by the whole, you know, one of my contentions with, you know, these three tournaments that we were always expected to at least, you know, participate into the spring in these three tournaments is, you know, use the reserve team solely for the Copa del Rey. So they have something to fight for and they know that they're going to get guaranteed minutes with that. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how Xavi handles that Copa del Rey situation. But again, I hear this idea also with, you know, especially, you know, Ferran and Memphis that maybe, you know, they haven't played well enough together, but they did last season. They got the majority of the minutes, especially in the second half of the season. And Again, I'm still nervous about Ferran Torres, you know, specifically because yeah. as we talk in our WhatsApp group, I just don't think he's an a-hole enough to be that leader or not that leader, but looking for that goal and being selfish. And I mean, we saw him have a nice volley in the Champions League match, which was which was good for his confidence. But then you see and you just kind of I don't know how you feel about this, but it's it just feels he's just out there. You know, I never say lately, you know, at first I was excited when he came to the team. And now I just see him and I just kind of, you know, he's just there. You know, I just, I never say, oh my God, that was the Varan Torres pass or that was the moment, you know, I, yeah. and it's really weird. And I, and I hate to put this kind of, you know, pressure on this, but again, you are playing for Barcelona. You have to kind of showcase that talent that brought you over for Man City. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what he's done statistically and, and what he's done in the games, you could you could have a really good argument to say that we paid way too much money for him when we bought him. You know, I forget what it was, sixty million, sixty-five million, something like that. You could say that was compared to what we spent on Kunde, compared to what we spent on Lewandowski. You could say that was like double what we should have paid. You know, for for this kid. Uh, I don't know. He, um, you know, last year we all wanted to put the dagger in Eric Garcia as well because he came in and didn't play play you did yep you did uh i didn't at first towards the end of the year i was like man maybe i you know maybe my instinct on this guy was wrong <laughs> i started to you know get the dagger out for him too but look at how he's done this year now ferran has had a whole off season to be in chavi's system and be coached by him so the expectations are that you would see some of some results from that so far this year but he's coming off the bench. And so, you know, give, uh, I guess my, my gut, my gut is, is let's give him a little bit more time before we go and say, you know, you don't belong here. You don't have the talent to be here. If we talk about this or, you, you know, in January and nothing's changed from now to January and he's, he, and he's had time 
because Chavi's doing a good job, you know, ro- with rotations and nothing's chain- changed, then, I mean, then he might be up for sale. You know, he might be something that Barca says, okay, we, you know, we're not, we're not getting any production out of this guy. Uh, we want it. They, you know, there's still rumors of them wanting to make moves here in January. So he, he might be one of those players that, you know, is, uh, has some real risk and, and we might want to just, you know, get rid of them then. But my gut is, let's just see the, the kid does come out and he can't shoot for shit. I mean, let's just say, I mean, he has missed so many open shots more than anybody on this team by far, but there's times where sometimes somebody is trying so hard to make an impression that, you know, they're so amp- amped up that, you know, they, they just need to settle down. They need to play simpler. They need to cool, cool it a little bit. And sometimes I think when he comes out there, that's him because he is hustling. He, he is working hard out there. I've always given him credit for working hard. Maybe he needs to stop impressing and just chill out a little bit and play simpler and, and play within the system. And maybe we'd see some more results, but you, as you know, how it is, you don't have much time here. You don't you don't get much time at Barcelona to to go prove yourself, and that window for him to prove himself is getting shorter and shorter as we speak. Yeah, and that's 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 what's coming down. I mean, let me just give you some stats right now as I look it up. So he's played in five matches so far this season, mm-hmm. playing 193 minutes, yep. eight total shots on goal, one goal, one assist. Yeah. And again, as a winger you know, in this Barcelona system. I just think he needs to be way more aggressive. And I think he's too passive sometimes because ultimately you are going to be measured on goals. I mean, you are right. He does work hard on defense and doing the pressing. And I'm sure he looks great on video when Xavi's looking at it. He's like, yeah, he does like three of the four things. But, you know, from an outside and conversion point, and if you're going to stay at this team and be relevant, you have to score goals in a sport especially important goals when you're giving opportunities, right? And I think he just lacks some of that. And Again, when he does come as a sub, I also think he just misses some of that fire of just being maxed out. You know, I feel like he takes a long time to get into the match as a sub, and then he starts to get going where, you know, as some some players are just better suited as super subs, where they just yeah. come in and they, they come in and they start sprinting right away because they know they only have 10 minutes to play, you know? And I think it's one of those issues that, like you said, he is kind of in that gray, right, where he's getting starting minutes sometimes and then not and trying to find that rhythm and how he's going to maneuver. But again, um, you know, I, again, you don't have time here in Barcelona yeah. as we've seen, and we'll see what happens. Uh, how, for, I mean, how much, how much patience are you willing to give him? Are you willing to give him this whole season uh, match, maybe like 10 more matches if he doesn't improve on those stats or what, what, what's your gut feeling? Well, I think, well, I think because of that schedule that we were just talking about earlier, he's going to get a lot of playing time from now to the end of October. And so I, I have my gut says that's going to be the window. Like if he doesn't play well within that window of time, then he, he'll be the target. He'll be the target of the, of people that are like, he's just not, he doesn't have it. He shouldn't be here, spend all this money, blah, blah, blah. He'll, he'll be that guy. So it's a very short window. So that's why I said January. I think that, you know, I think that he's got that window because there's nothing you can do to him now. You can't, He's on, he's on the squad at least until they can make some moves. And if, and there's no way that we can offload him until January at the earliest anyway, until that window opens. So, um, but, but the bench is deep. There's a lot of talent on the bench. So he's not gonna, you know, if he doesn't perform here, here's how, here's how it works. If he doesn't perform the amount of time that he's seeing on the pitch is going to dwindle more and more each, each, each day, each game. 
and then he won't have the chance to prove himself if he has it or not. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm like 50, 50 on the guy right now because there's been flashes. There's been times where he's looked horrible. Um, you know, he's a, he's a younger guy still. So I don't want to be like traditional Barcelona people <laughs> and like uh, automatically write somebody off because how many times have we said it in our chat? How many times has a player come in here and not performed? We release them. We, like, we let them go. We do whatever. And then they go and they do, they do, you know, pretty well. Uh, not saying that they've become a superstar, but they do pretty well wherever they go. It happens all the time. You know, it's like, it's like if we would have just given somebody another half of a year, maybe they would have, you know, played better. Maybe not. Um, but again, we've invested a lot of money on this on this kid. Yeah. So hopefully we give him the time. I I don't know. I'm I, I don't I really don't know. I'm 50-50 on him, whether yeah, he can and, do it or not. And this this idea of the the reserves playing at such a high level and no drop off, I think, you know, we are, you know, during the Pep era, I think that's really where it took over because you know, yeah. under Pep, when we had the reserves playing in the midweek matches, that didn't really matter. Or, you know, when players needed to rest, there was no drop-off. And I think that's really yep. a credit to Pep's system and the players we had at that time. And people just expect that as the norm. And when you have reserves that come in, obviously there's going to be fluctuation in performance and cohesion and, like you said, chemistry on the field. Yeah. And I think that's really hard for Kool-Aid because, you know, I, that's why I was always – one of the things I was always impressed under Pep was all of a sudden you – install a sub you know like for example i'm just you know i'm thinking off the top of my head like keita comes into sub busquets for a match and there was no drop off but obviously yeah. you still had iniesta playing there so there's you right. still had superstars sprinkled in right. and you had all-time greats right so the drop off of that is is didn't feel as 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 high as it is now you know when we're talking from lewandowski to memphis especially with lewandowski's yeah. uh performance which i'm going to transition because i think right. you know as you know I wasn't a fan of the signing just because of no, the yes. age and the price, right? And I obviously, yep. again, I, I'm not the biggest Bundesliga watcher. Uh, obviously, Lewandowski was has always been a, uh, you know, a significant number nine for the past 10 years. And obviously, I'm eating my words because I cannot get enough of what this guy has done this season. The goal that he scored on Saturday, he's always in the right place. And I hated playing against these type of players. You know, you're like, how does this guy know? And I even put yep. in the what's up, you know, when he scored long ass legs, right? Because like, yeah. does another forward shorter get to that? Maybe not. But Lewandowski yeah. is just tall enough to, to clear it over. You know, he yep. basically had a 50-50 on the ground with the, with, the, with, the, with the center back and he won because Lewandowski is taller. But what has been, I don't know the surprising thing, but... The thing that maybe when you watch him now week in and week out that you are just in awe of what he has been able to provide at Barcelona. Well, first of all, if you don't remember, I recorded with you like a few days after he signed and you weren't happy about it. And I talked about the intangibles that he would bring to this team, you know, the leadership intangibles, you know, um, and the things that he would bring to the locker room. And so I'm even surprised. I, you see it on the pitch all the time after an attempt or after an, after a score. He'll celebrate for – if he scores, he'll celebrate for a few seconds, and he's turned around. He's putting his arm around at least one or two players that are pointing. They're talking about tactics. I mean, this guy has it, never stops working, and I'm talking about his, what he's doing himself and how he's helping this team. And I think a lot of people in sports discount – 
uh, locker room leadership. And I think maybe like one of the first times that I ever, that you and I ever talked, I really like went after Messi for the lack of locker room leadership. This squad had no leadership for the last four to five, maybe even six years as they went, as they started uh, to go, you know, through their downfall. And that was the one thing that I knew about him that I knew for a fact, no matter what he would bring to the table. I didn't know how many goals he would score. I think I said he'd probably maybe 30, maybe 25 to 30. I'd have to go back and listen. Okay. I didn't think that, I think obviously because of his age, you have to, you have to put some attrition in there that his numbers are going to go down just because the older they get. Um, He's been phenomenal. I mean, he's a, he's a killer. I mean, he's lethal in front of the net. It's unbelievable. And we've all known that he takes care of his body. So some of these things that he's doing, especially like when he did that, you know, that goal where he's jumping in the air and he's lunging for this foot and, you know, there's all the comparisons uh, going on, you know, goals like that, that of course the Barca fans just eat that up. Like, I mean, I mean, you just score a couple of those right there and you're a hero for the next decade, but it's the, for me, it's the amount of leadership. I mean, he has, this is Barcelona. So, and, and, and he may be one of the best players in all the world and maybe has been for the last five to eight years, but you still don't come into Barcelona and say, this is my team now. And, 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 you know, take people under your wing and start to start to, point direction, start to point out what's going on. And he's, he's done it from like almost day one. And that, like, I knew, like I said, I knew he'd brought leadership, but the amount of what he's doing, how he has just said that, and he hasn't said it with words, his actions have speaking louder than words. This is my team and I'm leading it now has been astonishing to me. Absolutely astonishing. Yeah. yeah and I think that's a very underrated quality, right? Cause especially since we've been so thirsty for really yeah. quality leadership and just to see it, you know, it's as we, we don't know to what extent Messi was behind the scenes, but obviously on the field, we didn't see the leadership yeah. that we were so thirsty for. And you can already see it so visible with Lewandowski, especially with the younger players. And also, I mean, how much credit does he give, uh, does he get for improving Dembele's performance? You know, just like, yeah. I don't know if there was that connection from being at um, Borussia, maybe like that they, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they overlapped in one season or not. I can't remember, but maybe there's something there where because Lewandowski demands so much respect of his career and who he is, that Dembele has to pay attention and there's accountability like none before. Because, you know, I don't know if Luis Suarez creates that kind of accountability. You know, I feel like Luis Suarez yells at you more and you kind of feel like, you know, you feel like, you failed him as opposed to learning from that mm-hmm. and understanding where, you know, you always see Lewandowski pointing, you know, and Dembele even said in some recent interviews that Lewandowski has told him to, you know, pass appropriately where here and then also look up and shoot. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. I was like, don't you normally <laughs> yeah. look up and shoot? Like, what is another thing? Yeah. Well, let me give you some numbers. All right. So do you want to hear the average 90 or the total? What do you think is going to be more sexier for you to kind of put this into context of what Lewandowski has done at the, at the precipice of his Barca career? I'll, I'll do the average. Do the average. Okay. All right. So this is average 90. This is just for La Liga. Obviously, every 90, he's at 1.29 goals and 0.65 assists with four shots on goal, which is crazy with an XG of yeah. 1.03. And just really quickly, the total of this season, he has six goals, three assists. And we were just kind of talking before we recorded. And I wanted to talk about, you know, obviously this this incredible start. I mean, I cannot remember 
a player that started so on fire, so comfortable, such with confidence. Yeah. I mean, maybe Ronaldinho, like that's, that's the type of player we're talking about. And, you know, when we think about number nines that have been fortunate to play under Barcelona, you know, Ronaldo, uh, obviously Luis Suarez, you know, Luis Suarez is obviously recent history, but we were just talking, it took Luis Suarez seven matches, you know, Mm -hmm. seven league matches to score his first goal, just to give you context. And I just, like you said, the conversion rate is just unreal. I mean, yeah. you watch any other mid-tier table match and you realize how hard it is to score goals with a quality striker. And all of a sudden, to have this luxury is unreal. And I also think, you know, having these early leads is really where Barcelona is always going to maximize wins, right? Because Absolutely. they put pressure on the yep. team. The, you know, Barcelona gets the counters. And now they're just more disciplined with Rafinha. And obviously Lewandowski scoring those goals. Again, I, I just can't get over Lewandowski's ability to just always be in the right position. You know, yeah. Obviously, we've seen the finishing, you know, like especially over the weekend or last week against Pilsen, where he was at the top of the box and just hits that nice curler. I remember when I saw that, I just said, Man, that is so clinical. That is something you practice, but to actually just do it so easily in a match is so difficult. But then you see how often he's in the right position for those follow-ups. And I just think that's something that Barcelona has been lacking, obviously, since prime Luis Suarez. How many goals does he score now this season? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I, my estimate, I like, again, I'll have to go back and listen, but I was in the, I just remember it was in the 30 range. I'd be really happy if it was in the 30 range, but you know, I, think, I, I, I think yeah, also with water. Yeah, I think with Benzema's injury too, I think he's he's basically going to wrap up with the Pichichi already. Like, oh, yeah. I think he's going to yeah. put up a lead that's going to be so difficult for Benzema to catch because, again, Lewandowski just, I, I just, I just can't get over. It. I just, I yeah. guess I didn't realize how good he was on these conversions, and I guess you know it's something yeah. that we have been lacking, and to have it is crazy. Do you think he gets over five header goals? That was my prediction. I was going to say when I talked to Craig in one of our episodes, I said. Lewandowski is going to have the most headers in Barca history. Your thoughts? Yeah, he probably can because that's a weapon of his. He still likes to use his feet, though. I mean, his feet are his primary, but he's a big enough person. And like you talked about, he gets himself in the right position at the right time. I mean, and and it's not by luck. I believe me. I mean, he's working to get that position. This is he's perfect. He has perfected this craft over the years. Um, and so could he? Yeah, he might. I mean, I would if you if you're a betting man, then I then I'd say yeah, he, he probably will. I am a betting man, and I, I'm going to say over five goals. I think it's going to be impressive. Yeah. I mean, especially yeah. if he's uh, injury free and Chavi can preserve him. You know, especially if these matches where we're winning three nothing, you take him out in the 80th minute, put Memphis in, and Memphis gets some goals. Like that's the ideal scenario where you're just kind of manifesting these two forwards to score and just give Barca those cushions because that's ultimately what we need. We need these cushions. Yeah. To feel safe, you know, especially I'm curious, you know, going back to the Eric Garcia thing uh, with the player performance, just to see them against tougher competition. Obviously, the competition has been decent, but now like which we're going to lead to our next topic is the Champions League against Bayern. You know, when the the drawing came out, the draw came out, I was really nervous about the draw, uh, especially having Bayern there. But now, obviously, with Bayern's recent uh, performance and obviously the start to their season. I'm not as nervous anymore, and I think it's the two things. It's them not playing so high and us being able to score as often as we are because ultimately that's going to put us in the lead there. How are you feeling about this match tomorrow in Munich? 
Yeah, I'm still I'm still relatively nervous about it. They have enough leadership on that team that's been there long enough to get to get them up for this match. And just based on historically how we've done there, we haven't done anything there. Let's just put it that. <laughs> Let's be honest, we haven't done anything against those guys in a handful of years here. So I I am I think it'll be a really good game. I th- I still think it'll be a close game. I don't think we're going to walk in there and beat them four to nothing or th- or three to zero anything like that. I think it'll be a two. I think it'll be a two to one, and it could go either way. I I, I think it'll be a slugfest. Um. Uh, but the and but that's what I think. Now, if we were to fast forward and and w- when we have the return match come to Barcelona and, and enough time has gone on and we've had enough matches, I think that we will put it on them in Barcelona. But for this match here, I still think it'll be pr- it'll be pretty close. I mean, it's 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 crazy what a couple of weeks of just seeing the team play and also how your confidence changes because now we have Lewandowski, they don't. I just yeah. feel we can de- we're riding high with this confidence that we're gonna with our starting eleven the way we're playing. I just feel with Lewandowski's potential just to score within fifteen minutes and just to, to his ability to convert, I think puts our confidence really really high. And I just feel. Munich doesn't feel as daunting anymore, and it's no. We sh- we should get the three points tomorrow now, right? Whereas before, yeah. I was like getting one. I'm good with that, but I want three points for tomorrow. Yep, you know I do too. And uh, when we when we were in the WhatsApp group, you know, doing the chat for when the draw was happening, I wanted. I put in the in the in the group the chat. I wanted Bayern. Somebody said, "Why do you want Bayern?" I just simply I put eight to two. That was my answer. Enough said, right? So <laughs> I want them. I want I want this team to to be able to. I want I I personally want to see what they do in a pressure match like this to see where they are. My expectations, like I just already said, that they don't go in there and we we're not going to put it on them. It's going to be a super and tough match, and I actually want that to happen. To be honest, I want it to be a tough match. I want to see this team have to deal with the pressure. This is the first match of the year that they're going to have to deal with pressure. The other Champions League game, I mean, there's yeah. – yeah, there was no pressure there whatsoever. Yeah, a warm-up, um, a good warm-up. Yeah, yeah. So so I want to see how I want to see how they deal with it because you can't grow. You can't grow as a squad until you learn how to deal with that pressure, until you learn how to win. And this, in my opinion, is their very first step uh, of getting there. I, I think they'll move on past – this this round of the Champions League, I have no fear of that whatsoever. It's a it's a tough it's a tough uh, division that they're in. It's a tough grouping that they're in, certainly, and they're going to have some good games here. But so I, I I'm just pumped to see how they how they react to this pressure going going into a hostile environment. You know, going to a team that mentally has screwed with us the last you know four handful of years again. Uh, where we were just absolutely embarrassed in one of the biggest matches ever uh, in our history and in their history. Again, we have all that to conquer. We have to conquer all of that me- mental. And and I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Deal with that pressure is: do, are we are we building that mentality of that we can go into a place like this and win? That's that's the biggest thing for me to see. And if we go in there and we compete. And it just so happens that we lose because there's a random penalty or, you know, we fought to the end. I'll be more than happy as long as we get in there and, and fight for the win. That's all I'm asking for, for, for this game. The next yes. one, the return match. I want us to, I want us to kick their ass. <laughs> okay, I, I'm there with you. I, you know, I, I agree with you on that. It's like, this is a really good litmus test right now at the early of the season. Yep. And I, you know, 
part of me is like, okay, I want to see them uh, feel the squeeze of the pressure of Champions League night in Munich. You know, yeah. even though Munich is struggling right now, they're not at, you know, they're yep. in third place in Bundesliga. We know that they've uh, had some issues with Nagelsmann with the team questioning the tactics. So they're not in their best form, but still it's Munich is Munich and it's still a tough place and a good team to play. That's right. And I think this is really going to give us a good test, like you said. And I'm curious to see, you know, as we've seen over the weekend against Cadiz, when we had the reserve team, but then we bring in the, the stars, we were able to get those goals very quickly. Yeah. And so I'm curious yeah. to see if we do struggle, how we overcome that because again this is champions league is a different beast obviously and obviously i want to see if nagelsman like put some sort of wrinkle because again even though they're not doing anything in bundesliga for some reason munich just like real madrid they are a champions league team that just turns that switch on so it's going to be a difficult match i'm looking forward to it uh because i can see uh, 20 different scenarios uh, but i'm riding higher now with confidence just knowing what we're capable of just seeing so far the early side of the season. So again, I have good feelings about the match and I'm going to be obviously watching it with eager eye, obviously tweeting about it and so forth. So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night in Munich. Well, Troy, after the break, we're going to talk about Barca athletic and kind of our new setup that we're going to have on a monthly basis with our newsletter. Hey, Kules, this is Gabriel from the Barca talk podcast. Do you know that when you join our Patreon community, you get access to our dynamic international WhatsApp community? If you're a Barca fan without a local Pena or looking to connect with Barca fans like you, then consider joining our Patreon community. It's only five bucks a month. Join our WhatsApp community and connect with Kool-Aids like you who love talking Barca every single day and especially during the matches. With our WhatsApp group, you have access to connect anytime and since our group is international, someone will definitely respond immediately. Every morning, one of our patrons, Kim, shares the daily Spanish newspapers. And what I find the best part of the WhatsApp community is during the matches where there's instant feedback from our active community. So join our Patreon community. It's only five bucks a month. The link is in the show notes. And thanks for supporting the podcast. All right. So as I mentioned before at the top, Troy is... In the Barca athletic environment, I always try, this is one of those, it doesn't sound right in English. In Spanish, we always say medio ambiente, which sounds better, but you're, you're <laughs> kind of in this, this youth system. You're always providing us information in our WhatsApp group about the Barca youth and players to watch and so forth. And we were doing a monthly newsletter, and I kind of want to change it. So we're going to do a newsletter where we're going to highlight Barca athletic once a month, starting with once a month with your contribution, of obviously. And my first question is because, you know, I, when I was researching this summer, Barca Athletic, formerly the artist known as Barca B, why did we make this change? <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about this. Yeah, well, Ashley, so I, well, I had to go to back and do some research on this because I didn't know the answer. So uh, in 1970, Barca B, Barca Athletic, was actually formed. Uh, it was a merge between two clubs, but one of the clubs' name was Catalonia Athletic. And so they kept the Barca athletic name was, was what the name that they were giving them. And then like in 1990, uh, the Spanish FA force any of these, we'll call them junior teams or B teams. If you were part of a, if you were a part of a, a, a club system, part of a first team system that you just had to name your team, the B team. So it became Barcelona B team at that time. Laporta came in, something had changed when Laporta came in in 2008, he changed it back. 
So th there must be something with Catalonia and this name. He changed it back to, to Barca Athletic. And then when Roselle came in two years later, he changed it back to Barca B. And then as soon as Laporta came back now, he said, nope, Barca, Barca Athletic. And that's how it stands as of right now. Well, I'm sure it'll change again, but that's yeah, how the yeah. name came about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one I prefer. I think Barca B just rolls off the tongue easier. You know, it's just yeah. like, I know exactly who you're talking about. And Barca Athletic, yeah. I think, mm, I mean, it's fine, you know, but I think Barca B, yeah. you know, I, you know who exactly we're talking about. I think one of the things, you know, especially in Barcelona that we are so lucky to have is this, obviously this La Masia Academy that is mm -hmm. top in the world to be able to always find talent that filters into the senior team. And that's obviously one of the many reasons why Kules support Barcelona is because they love to see these own youth players that get filtered into the, to the senior yeah. team and then really see them grow and obviously succeed. Obviously, we always talk about uh, the famous class with Messi, PK, Busquets, and et cetera. What players can we be excited to kind of monitor? Obviously, you know, this is, we're talking four to seven seasons away, possibly to become an outright starter, but who are maybe one or two players that you are excited to talk about this season and to really kind of monitor their progression with Barca Athletic? Yeah. So, and then, so we'll go right to the kid that everybody's been talking about the last two weeks and he hasn't pr played for Barca Athletic per se here, but we're talking about the Lamine Yamal kid uh, who they're calling, you know, the mini Messi. For some people, it came out of the blue. For some people like me, uh, who's known that he's been playing here uh, for, for a few years, at least anyway, I've known who he is. He just has just burst onto the scene. Um, the kid's phenomenal. So if you haven't seen him, he's a, he's like a, he's like a player between Ansu Fati and Dembele. And, and what I mean, he looks like Dembele when he's running he has the speed and the pace of Dembele. He has uh, better dribbling than, than than Dembele does, and he can shoot like Fati does. So he's like, take those two of each other, and that's what you get. He's only 15 years old. Like, okay, we're starting to call this kid mini Messi, so we need yeah. to chill on that. Like, yeah, give, yeah. like, let's give the kid a break. But he is a phenomenal talent. So, and as I do this newsletter, just so I mean, we are loaded. There, the the Barca Athletic team. Uh, is a is a rebuilt team per se this year. They brought in ten players through through summer signings. They are bringing in Juvenil A and uh, and even lower kids, uh, uh, younger kids through the system. They're giving it a chance, which is actually nice. But but beyond that team, below that team, from Juvenil A and down below, just absolutely loaded with talent. Um, for for the years uh, that Barto was was over this club, they discounted La Masia. We lost a lot of good players, but the core of recruiters, the core of the coaching, there's a coaching, I'll call them a coaching group for lack of a better term, not to spend an hour getting in the details, but they still were able to go after talent. They still had, you know, relationships out there and, and still had their eyes on local kids and international kids and were still able to, to pull in talent. I can just tell you right now, um, as somebody like you mentioned, I'm super interested in watching these kids play. Like uh, it's unbelievable the amount of talent that we have and the amount of names that you'll hear for the next, you know, two to three years of coming out of these classes here. So, um, so, so you got, you got mini Messi, and then I'll talk, let's talk about an American kid, uh, Diego Cochin. He's a goaltender. He's on their, uh, he's on the Juvenile A team. Had some training time with Barca Athletic this week. Athletic this week, 
phenomenal kid from out of Miami, uh, went over and, um, and joined, uh, I think his parents moved to Barcelona one year. I think he, I don't remember the club that he joined Barcelona saw him right away, you know, brought him into La Masia. It, it, I mean, quick, it was within probably 12 months of him moving over there. I'll go ahead and put it on this. We're years away from this though, but just remember this day when this happens, I will tell you right now, he will be the next big Barcelona goaltender. He is just phenomenal. Phenom- kid's 16 years old, 15 years old, 16 years old. Uh, and they, he, he could start for Barca, Barca Athletic right now. If um, Arno Tau, um, uh, the goaltender, I forget his last name, but uh, the, the kid that's been having time with the first team as well, if he was not there and was not the captain, then Diego would definitely probably be the starting goaltender for that team. And now you're talking about the difference between the juvenile system and, and down below in Barca Athletic is the other teams that Barca plays are full of grown men. Like most, uh, you know, there are some teams when you're playing like room, because uh, they play in the, the Catalonia system. So you're, there's only maybe Espanol maybe have their B team uh, and maybe they play in tournaments against, you know, Madrid's uh, youth system or B team, things like that. But those are, but outside of that, these are local clubs in the Barcelona area and these are grown men that they're playing against. So uh, to have these kids come up is just um, amazing to see them. So. Uh, lots of lots of names on that team that uh, you've already heard, and I'll put in the newsletter of when they come up and have uh, training time with the first team. But Chavi, biggest thing to know is Chavi definitely has his eyeballs on uh, about ten players through the system that he has been inviting to come and come to first team trainings. Uh, and so that for me is the most exciting thing on the youth side that he recognizes and he's smart. And I knew that when he would come here, that he would, that he certainly knew the asset that Barcelona had and, and, and to be able to utilize it for the future, because you and I have talked about it in chat. A lot of us have talked about it in chat. It is the easiest. I don't want to say the cheapest, but the most economical way to build a, to build a squad. And you have this world renowned Academy this is where it should all be filtering up. Not that we'll yeah. have every every player on the field like Pep's, Pep's, you know, time that one, you know, that one season where we had all eleven were from La Masia. That probably don't know if that'll happen again. But we should have five, six, seven, eight players, uh, you know, in the in the squad roster that came from La Masia, if not more than that, and they just came through the system and we and we groom them to our to our playing style. And then you don't have to have big, you know, signing fees for them, big, you know, um, agent fees. They already know our structure. They've been they've been built through our system. Uh, those are the easiest ones to come through and, and build a, a long term project off of. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? You already know that they're going to be successful because they know the DNA. They know yeah. the tactics. They know the style that we're going to play. So it's not something out of the ordinary for them. So. Again, you know my feeling. You know, one of my things that I would wish that Barcelona would do is have four reserve spots for La Masia players that are on the fringe so they can play and be registered as that. I think that would be a great kind of target because that still doesn't affect the overall squad, you know, four spots, you know. And also you're promoting this, like, this amazing partnership where players from Juvenila, when they first get into the system, they can aspire to get that position uh, that is reserved only for La Masia players. I think that it would be something exceptional, uh, especially because we can afford to fill the other roster if we need to with players that aren't at La Masia and they can be That's superstars right. yeah. and we can spend that money. Yeah. So so we have a new coach for Barca Athletic, Rafa 
Marquez. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what you have seen so far this season with him. Was he the right man for the job? Because we've seen a lot of turmoil, you know, with these younger teams yep. in recent in recent seasons going through. Uh, what has Rafa been able to do with this team? And kind of, you know, I didn't know he was into coaching. So I, to me, this was kind of a surprise to yeah. see him come to Barca Athletic. Um, yeah, because last year was a disaster for them with with Laporte's guide that he promised the job. So, um, so yeah, these, he has to, he has to come in and fix things this year. And they've done well so far. They've won two two games, uh, drew the other their first three games, so they're unbeaten unbeaten in the league. Seven out of nine uh, points they've won. One of the f- biggest things that I immediately recognize when I I can watch as much as I can, it, either via highlights or whatever is the intensity that this team is playing with. And I put in our notes here, uh, obviously Rafa is a Mexican uh, player from Mexico, you know, and I know that the, from watching all the USA versus Mexico or watching Mexican players, wherever they go, they always play a very high intense style. You know, they're always, you know, very, very physical, very intense. And that's what this, the Barca athletic team has played with so far. I think, way beyond anybody's expectations from what I've saw. And, R- and R- Rafa Marquez is actually a pretty soft-spoken person as far as what I've seen within the team. So it's not a guy that's out there barking orders like uh, Sergi Barwan was last year, and he had lost the team by about 10 games into the year that he had already lost them. They didn't have respect. He was talking down to them, and that's not the style that works today with today's with the youth of today, they want somebody that relates to them and understands them. And so he's a soft, soft talker. Rafa is in, in demands uh, respect. And so far, so far, so good. Um, what I've seen with the team is like I said, a very intense play, uh, good possession, the Barca style, great possession. I call it methodical possession because they are very safe with the ball. Uh, not a lot of passes that are, that it turn into turnovers. They're very safe. They pick and choose their spots. They go for the attack. But like what we've seen with the first team where, where Chavi's trying to instill that you lose the ball, you get your, you get the ball back immediately. Uh, that's what Rafa Marquez is doing the same thing as well. And these guys are like, uh, I mean, they're like a hornet's nest, man. When they lose the ball, uh, players are flying in from everywhere. They're, they're going after it. And uh, I've been extremely impressed with him coming in and being able to do that. But also with the Barcelona style has always been known as a finesse style. It's always been known as a finesse style. And we've talked about the games changing. It's becoming more of an athletic style. You know, we're getting athletes in here, physical, fast, big, physical, fast. So to see that coming from the younger, the younger players, the youth system, starting with the Barca athletic team, I'm happy to see that because that needs to be the message instilled from that team on below, well, from the first team on below that, the Barca style from here on out is, you know, very intense, very physical as well. You don't have to be a huge guy. We don't need, you know, a bunch of six foot four guys running around. You can be, we have Gavi. We got the, we got the pit bull that we'll show you right there. He's five foot seven and is the most intense guy on the field. You can do it. It doesn't matter how, how big you are. And that's how this team is playing. It's fantastic to watch so far. I have a confession to tell you. All right. I was not a Rafa Marquez fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and well, you didn't know anything about him, you said. Well, no. I mean, coaching-wise, you know, mainly yeah. because mainly because uh, during the time, you know, it was like heavy into the U.S.-Mexico rivalry. 
when mm-hmm. the U.S. obviously was in the World Cup and kind of doing well. And I was like, oh, my God, we're so close. The U.S. is like right on the precipice of being yeah. game changers. And they beat Mexico in the World Cup in 2002 and then, you know, all this stuff. And then I, and then I remember I was like, oh, man, he's on Barca. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can like support him because I was just I just I just despise yeah. the Mexican national team so much at that time. Yep. And now I look back and I'm like, I respect his his game, obviously, because like you said, he was a soft spoken yeah. and he let his game talk, right? And I always think that was yep. interesting. And again, to be captain of Barcelona says something in that era when we're talking about Puyol was on the team, you know, all these players that he worked yeah. in partnership with. And so that has obviously some credence when I look back, but I just I was just always did not he was not my favorite for, let's just put that you know yeah. I, I just remember it was like oh, rafa marcus is starting oh my god i don't like this guy but now i i respect it going looking yeah. back now you know it's kind of yeah. one of those things yeah well you know like one i just want to close off with this i always just find it fascinating to see these kids playing because you know i remember playing as a kid and it was so disjointed in fact i'm going to go help my brother-in-law tomorrow coach these eight-year-old girls tomorrow, which is going to be fascinating to see what's going on there. But, you know, when you watch these juvenile on and these young teams play, I'm always amazed on how the DNA is just imprinted on these kids already. This ability to have triangles and passing is just unreal at this youth level that you can see. It it just is like from day one, you know, and I think that's always incredible. And like you said, Maybe we're not going to have the 11 starting 11 like we had that one time, but man, we can really strive to have at least three to four starters, four to five starters, because again, that's always going to keep the club grounded economically. And it's always the best way because you're able to just see them in your system with the type of tactics that you're going to run. It's the easiest way to, to really forecast if these players are going to be worth the investment promoting and to see how they're going to do so uh, i'm curious to see what you bring into the newsletter because again there's so much information you know obviously we i'm always trying to keep up to date with the the senior team you forget about the barca beat which is just as a barca athletic excuse me and the and the younger (laughs) teams which are just as important to the future of the club both you know with with players and economically so i'm looking forward to your contribution so i thank you um we'll wrap it up there i know we'll We'll have much to talk about in the future. I'm going to have you on. Obviously, we'll, we'll wrap up with more Barca Athletic news in, in, in the future. So, But I just wanted to thank you for joining me. Uh, obviously, you're one of our uh, best contributing patrons in the WhatsApp group when it comes to the Barca content. So I wanted to thank you, as always, for joining us. So, so good to see you. Good to talk to you. We'll talk soon. Podcast Network.